Zhang Xiaoying is one of the most renowned Chinese conductors. At 93 years old, she still takes an active role in orchestra and music. Cultures of the East and the West collide and interact at this point and give rise to sparks. How wonderful it is! I have enough confidence to bring them to the world one by one, so that the world can recognize that Chinese people also have a place in the world's music treasure house. In short, we must let the world hear China. For decades, she has devoted herself to enriching Chinese people's cultural life, as well as telling the world Chinese stories with music. Stay tuned to this edition of Footprints to find out how she has beaten the odds to become a renowned woman conductor. Zhen Xiaoying is the first female opera and symphony conductor in China and is also the first Chinese conductor to perform at an opera house overseas. So far, she has conducted more than 1,600 concert performances and opera works in more than 20 countries and regions. In her career spanning over half a century, she has used music to nurture people's hearts and souls. Now in her 90s, she still shines on stage. Her conductor's baton controls the rhythm of the music and also mobilizes the emotions of the audiences. Music is the art of time. The opera symphony is rich in content. You can learn from it and be more enlightened. You will also gain historical knowledge. It can increase your self-cultivation. Why are we willing to devote time to it? Because it is valuable. It helps to improve the cultural quality of our nation. Promoting music to the audience from both home and abroad has always been Zhong Xiaoying's goal. Since childhood, she dreamt of doing something different. She was born in September 1929 in Shanghai, the most modern city in China at the time. She learned to play piano in her childhood and developed a taste for Western classical music. By the time she graduated from high school, the Chinese People's War of Liberation was in full swing. The young girl, who had planned to pursue a medical career, changed her path and went to the liberated areas of the country instead. What she saw and witnessed in those areas was a fresh and life-changing experience for her. It's only after going to the liberated areas that I can really understand our folk music. When I was in the city of Kaifeng, I saw the men bare-chested playing drums in the street.
I grew up in Shanghai where there were no such scenes. What I saw in Kaifeng was amazing to me. Such images have had a great impact on me. Zheng was taught the thoughts of the late chairman Mao Zedong on literature and art, which demanded writers, artists and musicians draw inspiration from workers, farmers and soldiers and then create works for them. While quickly adjusting herself to the life of the liberated areas, Zheng was soon assigned a new role in the art troupe she joined. In our art troupe, everybody took the simple score book, but nobody knew how to sing. Their rhythm was not right. I said, this was not right. The dot was like this, and the syncopation should be like this. People said I was good, and I could beat time for them. Then I became an amateur conductor. After that, Zheng pursued her dream of becoming a professional conductor. Years of conducting experiences in the art troupe gave her lots of inspiration. Later, in the 1950s, she studied in the composition department of the Central Conservatory of Music in Beijing. In the early 1960s, she was sent to the Moscow State Tchaikovsky Conservatory to study opera and symphony conducting. The former head of the Central Conservatory of Music, Zhao Feng, was a talent scout who found my potential. He valued my musical ability and believed that I deserved to be further cultivated. So he sent me to the former Soviet Union to study symphony conducting when the opportunity came. The opportunity made her the first professionally trained female conductor for chorus in China at that time. In 1962, as a student in Moscow, she conducted the Italian opera Tosca in public at a large opera house and won great applause. Recalling this experience, Zheng Xiaoying says it served as one of the turning points in her life. That was a very unusual thing. When I went on stage that day, the host said that they had invited a female postgraduate student, Zheng Xiaoying, for that day's performance. The Soviet audiences applauded widely when they heard I was from China. Normally, when it came time to the third act of the opera, the spotlight would go to the conductor and later the applause would come from the audience. But that time, every time I appeared on stage, I was always put under the spotlight. So it gave me great encouragement. The applause was not only for the wonderful performance, but also praise for the Chinese woman on the stage. In 1963, Zhong finished her studies in Moscow and returned to China. Since then, she has made popularizing the symphony her lifelong endeavor. The first major music piece she conducted after returning to her motherland was called Ai Gu Li, a newly created opera telling the stories of Kazakh herdsmen in the Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region. 
The opera was presented by the China National Opera House. Jung recalls it's a challenge for the performers and musicians as they had sought to combine the Western and Oriental music elements. I used my experiences from Moscow during the rehearsal. My colleagues in the band put down their brass instruments and began to practice dobro. They had never played that before and continued to practice despite their nails bleeding. The play turned out to be very successful. It had a very positive impact on the development of theater in China, the so-called adapting Western musical forms to express in the Chinese way. However, she did encounter difficulties when she conducted the performance of the opera La Traviata in 1979. The theatre was noisy, and audience members weren't able to feel the charm of the opera. According to Jung, it wasn't that the audience was ill-mannered, but that music education had been missing for too long. I was depressed. I didn't know how to react. The sound of eating hazelnuts among the audience was quite a disturbance. So what could I do? I decided to hold a 20-minute music workshop. In it, we explore different aspects of opera, from its melodies to its narratives. Symphony is a long and extended piece. You can't get excited in a few seconds and then forget. You have to be able to calm down and listen and become enlightened. This is one of the methods Zheng Xiaoying used to promote classical music education in China. Since the 1980s, she has been offering lectures on campuses and at public venues in order to popularize classical works of symphony and opera among the Chinese people, especially the younger generation. She always gives a 20-minute lecture on art before a piece is performed. Performance blended with lectures. This is known as the Zheng Xiaoying mode. In the summer of 1994, Zheng Xiaoying went on a lecture tour to the United States. When she was lecturing at Harvard University, some reporters asked her very tricky questions like, how did she beat those men to stand on the podium? Her answer was simple. I explained to them. I said that we have a different system from yours. In recognition of my outstanding academic performance, I was entrusted with this important post. That's all. I learned afterwards that they had deep gender discrimination against female conductors at that time. Two years later, she went on a trip to Finland, conducting 12 performances of the opera Carmen. And that trip won her great fame. She got a special gift from the Finnish organizers of the performances, a painting called The Singing Hands, depicting a pair of hands of a harp player. When I went to Finland to conduct music, 
They were very surprised as they had never seen any Chinese conductor at the time, let alone a Chinese woman conductor. I remember during the first rehearsal, the whole orchestra was thrilled. They wondered how the organizers were able to invite such a Chinese talent, a woman conductor. They liked my hand gestures very much. My hand gestures were clear to see for the players. Thus, work efficiency was greatly improved. Usually it took about three rehearsals before going on stage, but with my conducting, only one rehearsal was needed. The organizers were impressed by Zheng Xiaoying's conducting. They bought the Singing Hands painting and gave it to her as a token of their respect and gratitude. Through the years, Zheng Xiaoying's international performances have changed preconceptions about Chinese and Asian women. The baton in her hand seems to have a magic power. The baton itself is not mysterious. Some are wooden sticks, some are made of glass. Chopsticks or pencils will also do. Even without a baton, we can conduct with our hands. Why do we use a stick while conducting? Because the band's music is very long, performers will have a lot of scores to read. They can only pay attention to the conductor out of the corner of their eyes. They cannot see if the conductor's hand is too short. The baton extends the conductor's hand and helps them see. It has no mystery itself. Of course, there is skill in knowing how to use it. In addition to lectures and performances at home and abroad, in 1998, Zheng Xiaoying founded the Xiamen Philharmonic Orchestra with a mission to introduce symphony and classical music to the general public. In our society, we tend to think that winning an international competition is the peak of one's career, but it is only one thing. More importantly is the improvement of the cultural literacy of the people. We live in such a great country, but many musicians only do our best in a few big cities. People living in other places don't know what we are doing, which makes me upset. So I chose to establish the orchestra in Xiamen, helping it become a city with symphony. Although the process was very difficult, I managed to make some progress. Now I also want to make it a city of opera, because I think music education really matters to all the people. With the concept of let more audiences enter the concert hall and enjoy the beauty of music, the Xiamen Philharmonic Orchestra opens its rehearsals to visitors who can get a close look at how the musical ensemble conducts music. Since its founding, the orchestra has given at least 1,300 performances both at home and abroad. Over the years, it has become a popular tourist attraction in the city of Xiamen.
Behind Zheng Xiaoying's brilliant performance and endeavours in the world of music is her diligence, perseverance and her determination. She has battled cancer three times over the last 20 years. In 1997, she was diagnosed with rectal cancer. But nothing can stop her from standing on the podium again. Only one year later, she went to Estonia to conduct the Estonian National Symphony Orchestra. When she conducted a concerto based on the famous Chinese song Overlord, Unloading Armour, the agitated melody was not only an interpretation of the scene on the ancient battlefield, but also a vivid portrayal of her own fight against the disease. There is no secret to fighting disease. I am relatively calm and I will deal with it as it comes. Life happens only once, so you should do your best to do something meaningful for the society and people. That brings me great happiness. Zheng Xiaoying says the thought of spending her last few seconds on the conductor's podium would be what she calls the most romantic of a fulfilling career. Now in her 90s, Zheng Xiaoying is still active on the stage, sharing China with the world through her music. I hope foreign audiences will be able to understand that we strive to learn from the West and develop our own music. We learn their techniques to express the emotion of Chinese people and tell Chinese stories. Even if we seem to be at a preliminary stage, we're still innovating. One musical seed from the West has been sown on the fertile soil of the East, and a wonderful flower is emerging. I think people abroad will be interested in this flower. Her determination to promote Chinese symphony music abroad has led her and her fellow Chinese musicians to perform in some of the top symphony halls in the world. They performed at the Tchaikovsky Concert Hall and the St. Petersburg-based Mariinsky Theatre in Russia. They stood on the stage of the Davis Symphony Hall in San Francisco, United States and the Esplanade Concert Hall in Singapore. Zheng recalls that the Chinese symphony she conducted was widely applauded abroad. In the United States at the Davis Symphony Hall in San Francisco, a chorus of 240 local people sang a Chinese song together. You come with your heart and I with my love, not afraid of the high mountains and deep waters. There are people who forge the path through the mountain high and people who build a bridge across the water deep. We hope to encourage more people to learn about Chinese culture, so I try to do my part to promote Chinese symphony music to the world.
Zheng Xiaoying not only promotes Chinese symphony music to the world, she also presents traditional Chinese music. She believes that cultural exchanges should be diversified. Folk songs and dances or instrumental folk music and operas are part of the essence of China's national culture. She says it is necessary to show the Chinese culture to the outside world through music, which is the common language for people from all over the globe. I also want to use the language that the world understands to tell Chinese stories. It is important for Chinese people to tell Chinese stories. Different ethnic groups have different aesthetic standards. We cannot say which is good or bad, but we could find a common language. With music, I can speak a language that you can use to understand my culture. And we need to explore this aspect and present good works. As an experiment of her efforts to tell Chinese stories through music, she has helped create and conducted the Chinese symphony, the echoes of Hakka earth buildings. Hakka is a term used to describe a group of people who live mostly in southern China, such as Fujian and Guangdong provinces, and who retain a culture, lifestyle, architecture, customs and dialect, distinct from people surrounding them. Hakka people originally came from northern China. As early as the 4th century, they had migrated to southern China in waves, fleeing war and violence. Zheng Xiaoying is a descendant of the Hakka people, and her symphony, The Echoes of Hakka Earth Buildings, features the Hakka people's history and lives. My ancestors are the Hakka people living in the Yongding district, Fujian province. I was curious about my ancestry and once went there to find my roots. When I saw the earth buildings, I was very shocked. In such a remote valley, there are magnificent buildings which reflect local culture. I felt that our Chinese nation is really great. As for Liu Yuan, composer of the Shanghai Conservatory of Music, he was also full of enthusiasm. He was inspired by the architecture. The theme of the Echoes of Hakka Earth Buildings depicts the pioneering spirit of struggling Hakka people, their unity and their attachment to the motherland. When Liu Yuan showed me the music piece years ago, I decided to perform it at the closing ceremony of the World Hakka Conference in 2000. I performed in front of thousands of Hakka representatives from all over the world. Not all of them loved the symphony, and I believe they did not necessarily love music, but they were touched by the performance. Unexpectedly, the music of our Hakka people can be heard and performed in the Hall of the Symphony. As a performer, I have the obligation to bring it to the whole country and to perform it all over the world.
Lasting for 37 minutes, the symphony, scored by Liu Yuan, made its debut in the 2000 World Hakka Conference. It has won a top Chinese music award, the Golden Bell Award, issued by the Chinese Musicians Association. In her later years, Zheng Xiaoying conducted the symphony for audiences in France, Germany, Italy, Australia and other foreign countries. So far, the Echoes of Hakka Earth Buildings has been performed in at least 20 countries and regions. As for the symphony, the Echoes of Hakka Earth Buildings, how can foreigners listen to it and give a warm response? Because they understand what the music expresses and they're familiar with it, so they're moved. Cultures of the East and the West collide and interact at this point and give rise to sparks. How wonderful it is! I have enough confidence to bring them to the world one by one, so that the world can recognize that Chinese people also have a place in the world's music treasure house. We must let the world hear China. Music has no boundaries. So long as there is music, Zheng Xiaoying will be there, ready to express life through art and share Chinese stories with the world. With that, we conclude this edition of Footprints. Thanks for listening. I'm Bob Jones. If you're interested in hearing more about the lives of ordinary people in China, Follow us on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Just key in Footprints and you can find more stories anytime, anywhere. We'll see you next time. Bye for now.